If I was going to give uh, today's message a title, it would be three steps forward and one step back. And uh, so we'll, we'll get into that in, in a minute. I want to uh, read from Philippians chapter 3. This is kind of an end of the year message, but also a beginning of the year message. So uh, really my goal today is to get you ready. Uh, because I really do believe that there, there are things that God wants for you that you haven't tasted yet. There's a place that God wants to take you that you haven't been yet. And I think that's true uh, probably for all of us. And uh, so we're going to try to push into that today. Starting with Philippians 3, verse 1. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. When I, when I lived in Athens and was working at the University of Georgia, they loved for me to preach on that passage. They loved us reading, watch out for the dogs. And you guys didn't do it, but when I read it in Athens, they would bark. <laughs> so you don't have to, I'm not asking. Watch out for those dogs. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning from your word. We, we recognize today that your word is true, that your word is good, that your word is profitable, that your word is for us, that everything in this book is God-breathed, it's inspired by you. And so we want to take heed of it. Open our ears, open our minds, and open our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so one real quick, just one quick apology uh, I know it's Christmas, we just came off of Christmas, we just came off of Thanksgiving, and you probably didn't want to see that verse about, you know, your God being your stomachs, because I know, for me, personally, that's, that's the place of repentance where I'm living right now, is God, why did I eat so much? And uh, so there's grace for that. Uh, Paul, here in Philippians, is encouraging the Philippian believers to run a good race, and he's giving them instructions on how to run. Uh, he's telling them, this is what you need to do. We want you to lean into this. Now, any of you who have ever run races before or even just tried to run, period, you know that the way to run is, is you have to lean forward to run. If you want to go where you're trying to go, you can't run leaning backwards. You can't run turning back and looking over your shoulder. Uh, I, I've had, and this, this explains a lot, but I've had several, maybe four, possibly as many as five memory loss concussions in my life. And uh, I know you're going, oh, so that's it. Um, <clears throat> but the first one, the first one, I was about 12 or 13 years old, and I was actually playing football by myself. And, uh, yeah, how do you get hurt playing by yourself? Well, let me tell you how. I was running in the backyard, throwing a ball up, and then running and catching it, throwing it to myself. Couldn't get anybody to play with me. And uh, you know better than that, I chose to be by myself. I was in the backyard running and catching passes that I threw. And uh, we had a cast iron uh, clothesline. Y'all explain to the young people what a clothesline is. Um, we had a cast iron clothesline, and I just, I'm, watch, I'm watching the ball, and I squared it right there. Knocked me out cold because I wasn't looking where I was going, right? So what Paul is saying is I want you to put your eyes forward. I want you to look where you're going so you won't run into things that you don't want to run into. I want you to lean in and run a good race. Verse 12, he says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. That's, that's what he's after. He wants to fully grasp everything that Jesus has offered him. If I could sum up the state of the church in one sentence, it would be this. We have settled for less than he offered. We have settled for less than he offered. Verse 13, he says, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. So how do we run? How do we run? We, we want to improve, right? No, nobody wants to finish 2019 worse than you were in 18. And nobody wants to finish 2020 as we look ahead worse than we are now. We all want to improve. We want to increase in the things of God. We want to be more intimate with God a year from now than we are now. 
None of us sets out to do worse next year than we did this year. John Ortberg says this, I and no one else am responsible for the condition of my soul. Think about that. Think about that. I and no one else am responsible for the condition of my soul. What he's saying is, he's not saying that he doesn't need God. What he's saying is he is responsible for putting himself in God's path. He is responsible for taking care of business. He's responsible for embracing opportunities, practices, ways of life that will put him in the path of God's grace so that he can increase in the things of God. I and no one else. He's not expecting someone else to do that for him. He is taking responsibility for his own spiritual maturity. Uh, Dallas Willard puts it this way. You must arrange your days so that you are experiencing deep contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. You must arrange your days so that you are experiencing deep contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. What I want to do this morning, I want to suggest four simple steps, four things. If you do these four things, I believe you'll finish next year better than you are now. Four things, four simple things, not complicated, maybe not easy, but not complicated. If you'll give yourself to these four things, I believe they will move you closer to the prize that Paul talks about in Philippians. Uh, Most of what I want to suggest is built around what historians have called spiritual disciplines or holy habits. Uh, Carl uh, Jung said, you are what you do, not what you say you'll do. (laughs) Aristotle said it this way. He said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. Dallas Willard says, in order for these things to have effect in our lives, most of us will probably have to follow the advice of Dallas Willard. Can you believe Dallas Willard said that? In order for these things, in order for these spiritual disciplines to really take root in our life and produce fruit, we'll probably need to take the advice of Dallas Willard. Do you know what Dallas Willard's advice was? This. He said, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And I would add, you need to take seriously the call in Scripture for followers of Christ to walk in holiness. To walk in holiness. Too many of us have settled for forgiveness. 
Too many of us have settled for forgiveness and we have not taken seriously our need to be transformed into the image of Christ. Jesus came and died on a cross not just so that we could be forgiven, but so that we could walk in victory. And his call to us is not come and be forgiven only. His call to us is come and be holy. Walk in holiness. Walk in fellowship with me. Be holy. I believe that the fact that we have not taken the call to holiness seriously is probably the number one reason why the church has lost credibility in the world. Because when the world looks at the church, they don't see anything distinctive. They don't see anything different. And so we have to embrace, we need to recognize that God's call to us is not just to be forgiven, but his call to us is to be forgiven and then to be transformed, to become holy, to walk in holiness. So here here are the things I'm going to suggest. Four things. Read, pray, bless, and rest. Read, pray, bless, and rest. Number one, read. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Why why do you need to read the Bible? Well, one reason you need to read the Bible is because it is unlike any other book. It is unlike any other book ever written. This is the book of God. It's not just a book about God. It is the book of God. He inspired the words. He, He wrote the pages. This is the revelation of God. And this book tells us who he is, what he is like, how we can know him, and how we can serve him. Why would you not want to read it? Why would you not want to read it? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tells us that all scripture is inspired by God, that it's profitable for life, and that it teaches, rebukes, corrects, and trains. It touches every area of our life. There is no area of your life where the Bible has nothing to say. And also, it is clear to us from the account of Jesus' life in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it is clear that Jesus placed high value on Scripture. He was a student of Scripture. He used Scripture when he was tempted. When he goes off into the desert and the the devil approaches him and tempts him, Jesus answers every temptation by quoting Scripture. If we look at the life of Jesus, we see that he had the high value for for the Word of God. He memorized it. He put it in his heart. King David said, I will, put, I will hide your word in my heart so that I can win the sword drill in Sunday school. No, that's not what he said. He said, I will hide your word in my heart so that I won't sin against you. So that I won't sin against you. I suggest that you use a reading plan. If you've never used one, let this be the year that you start. In fact, don't wait till 2020. Start today. Use a reading plan. Find a plan that will take you through the Bible in a year. Uh, but use a reading plan because it will move you around. You won't just read. You know, if, if I didn't use a reading plan, you know I would read Mark. I would read the Gospel of Mark over and over and over again. That's all I would read. I might just take the four Gospels and read the red. I would just read the red part. You know, the words of Jesus. But I, I want to have a grasp of the whole book. And so if you use a reading plan, it'll, it'll take you over uh, to Genesis, and then it'll jump you back over into Matthew. It will take you actually even to Leviticus. And I recommend that you read Leviticus. 
I don't recommend that you read it at night <laughs> unless you have insomnia. So a reading plan, something that will move you through the different parts of the Bible. I, I believe that there are things that God wants to say to you that he will say no other place except in the pages of that book. He's written it, and he's written it to you, and he's written it for you, and he wants to speak to you through it. This book is alive, and we need to be students of it, but we also need to be partakers of it. And every time you sit down, when you open the pages, just pray and say, God, I'm here. Teach me. Speak to me. Number one, read. Number two, pray. Jesus was a man of prayer. Prayer is, is simply conversation with God. It's conversation with God. I, and I believe that we need both corporate prayer and private prayer. And we're going to uh, do some things this year, have some opportunities planned for you uh, for corporate prayer, more opportunities for corporate prayer. Uh, we have several opportunities now. We're going to add some new things. Uh, that I think will be helpful and, and fun and help us to grow together. But private prayer is the breath of my life. Private prayer is the breath of my life. Two of the spiritual disciplines that, that I believe would benefit all of us are silence and solitude. And I don't know if you typically think when you think about prayer, if you think about silence, but, but that's where I go first. When I think about prayer, I think about silence. I, <laughs> I think about the, the first words that come into my mind when I get ready to pray is stop talking. Stop talking. I remember uh, Mason and Hannah are here. Hey, Mason, Hannah. Mason and Hannah are here. I remember when Mason was about three. I'd gone off on a trip. I was preaching somewhere, and Melissa decided that she would just see. She would just let Mason talk all night. She was just going to let him talk until he stopped. Hours went by. <laughs> Hours. It's, you know, we're coming up. I don't know if it went past midnight, but it was late, and she was tired, and finally she just looks at three-year-old Mason and says, stop talking. I think she maybe tried to stick his, her fingers in his mouth. To stop him, and he bit her fingers. <laughs> but sometimes you just need to stop talking and be quiet and be still and listen. There's a reason why the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. Jesus was a man of prayer. Jesus uh, prayed with his disciples. Jesus also was one that would slip away. And find a quiet place and a private place and pray. We live in a noisy world. Noisy. Find a quiet place. Stop talking. Unplug. And listen. If you will make a regular part of your life, silence and solitude with the Lord, listening to what he has to say, I promise you, it will change your life. Anything that he has to say to you, 
is more important than what you have to say to him. It's not that what you have to say is not important. It's not that he doesn't care. He does. He wants to hear what's on your heart. But he wants you to hear what's in his heart. Because what's in his heart will answer what's on your heart. Be still and listen. Here here are a couple other things you can do. Journal as you pray. Uh, Some people just, you know, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to, you know, I get lost. My mind wanders. I start thinking about my grocery list. You know, whatever it is. Some people have a hard time really focusing on prayer. Maybe a journal would help you. Get a prayer journal and write your prayers. It's okay. Write your prayers to God and then read them back to him. And then go back weeks or months later and look at what you wrote and see how many of your prayers God has answered. So keep a prayer journal. Another thing you can do is just use a model for prayer. One of the the models that I use, an acronym that I use a lot of times for for prayer, is the ACTS model, A-C-T-S. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Supplication is a fancy word for intercession. So adoration, where I just worship God. Confession, where I confess my sins and my, my weaknesses. Thanksgiving, where I thank God for all that he's done and is doing in my life and around me, in my community. And then supplication, where I make my requests made known to him. So maybe, maybe a model would help you. Jesus was a man of prayer, so much so that the only thing we have on record that the disciples asked him to teach them was teach us how to pray. They didn't say, teach us how to tell the cool parables. They didn't say, teach us how to preach. They didn't say, teach us how to turn water into wine. They said, teach us to pray. Conversation with his father was the priority of his life. He had a calling. He had a mission. He had a destiny. He set his face like a flint towards the cross. But the priority of his life this time with the Father. And, the, and Jesus says himself, the only thing I do on this earth, in this life, all I do is what the Father tells me to do. All I do is what I see the Father doing, what I hear the Father saying. Hearing the Father's voice was a priority of his life. Paul said that we should pray always without ceasing. So if we're going to be like Jesus... We need to do things that Jesus did. And he gave time and made time and spent time in prayer. So number one, read. Read the book. Read the Bible. Number two, pray. Number three, bless. Bless your family. Bless your friends. Bless some strangers. Bless your family. Bless your friends. Bless some strangers. To bless actually means the act of consecrating or setting apart someone or something. It it can also mean to make special or to add strength to something. You bless something, you add strength to it. And the way that you add strength to something is that you take away part of its burden. It makes me stronger if you take part of what I'm carrying. You understand? And so to bless, I strengthen you by blessing you. We can use our words 
either to build people up or tear people down. And so what I'm saying is we want to choose to bless. Now, let's talk about social media. Stop talking. Stop, people. Christians, stop using social media to criticize. Stop it. I don't care who you're criticizing. Stop. Even if they're wrong, stop. Don't use social media to criticize politicians or Christian leaders or entertainers. We had so much hate. We had, we had so much hate for, for Kanye West when he was doing things that weren't Christian. And now we're upset because he's doing things that are Christian. What's the problem? Well, do you know what the problem is, right? It's us. It's not him. I remember reading about Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday, when he was preaching revival in Nashville, he would give invitations. And it was probably the first time. Church had kind of gotten really formal, and they didn't do altar calls, and he was doing altar calls. And people were coming in droves and getting saved. And, and the pastors of the, around Nashville called him in for a meeting. And they said, you're doing it wrong. You know, calling people to the front, making people stand up in front of all of these other people and walk to the front to be prayed for, it's just wrong. You're, you're doing it wrong. And you know what he said? He said, I like the way I'm doing it wrong better than the way you're not doing it at all. So anyway, back to social media. <laughs> Don't criticize, and for crying out loud, do not engage in theological debate on social media. <laughs> You're embarrassing us. <laughs> so just stop it. So you know what social media is for? All you got to do is look at my Facebook page or my Instagram page. It's for pictures of your grandchildren. <laughs> That's what it's for. If you look at somebody's post and go, oh, that, that's awesome, then they've done well. If you look at their post and you go, oh, 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 I, I'm going to have to mute that so I won't say th something back, then they've messed up and so have you. <laughs> Don't do that. Use it. If you're going to use it, use it to build up. Use it to encourage. I'm a St. Louis Cardinal fan. And I had a season about a year ago where all I did was rant about the Cardinals on Twitter. All negative things about their bullpen, just over and over and over. I had friends who don't know anything about me except I'm a pastor. They don't know my sports allegiances. And they're like sending me messages like, who are you mad at? Who are the, who are the Cardinals, for crying out loud? They thought I was mad at the Catholic Church. And so I've repented. And I'm just going to say nice things about the Cardinals. Catholic Cardinals and the Protestant Cardinals. <laughs> Acts of kindness. Words of affirmation. 
Acts of kindness is, an, is another way that you can bless. Uh, do something for someone else, expecting nothing in return. Just random acts of kindness. Maybe in secret. Do something that nobody will ever know. You did it. Service is actually a spiritual discipline. Now, let me, let me say this about spiritual disciplines before I go further. Spiritual disciplines are not magic. They don't, spiritual disciplines don't actually change you. You know what they do? They help you to connect with God, and he changes you. They help you connect with God, and he changes you. They put you in the path of his grace. Someone did a doctoral thesis that compared two mission teams to the same place. These two mission teams, they both went to Thailand. And one team focused on blessing through acts of kindness. And the other team focused on conversion through an emphasis on evangelism. And the research showed that the team that focused on blessing not only had a greater impact on the area, they had 50 times as many conversions as the evangelist group. Is that crazy? No, it's not crazy. It's the gospel. Acts of kindness. Loving people. Do something nice. Another way that you can bless is to give. Gifts. I suggest that you give regularly and that you give spontaneously. Find something, a church, a nonprofit, a missionary. Find something that you believe in and want to invest in and give regularly. <clears throat> if you're in church, maybe you're visiting here today, you should give regularly to your home church. If this is your home church, you should give regularly because you're benefiting regularly. But more than that, if you're here, I hope you believe in the vision of this church. You believe in what we're trying to do. And if you do, invest in it. Give regularly to your church. Find a missionary that you know or that you believe in. Invest in what they're doing. It's an incredibly hard thing. It's an incredibly hard thing to leave your family and your friends and your home and, and move across to another country, across the ocean or, or somewhere, you know, other, some other place away from home, even in the U.S., to move to a place where you don't know anyone. It's incredibly difficult. Help. Help them. Pray for them. Give regularly to them. And then give spontaneously. How many of you got Christmas presents this year? Anybody, anybody here get anything for Christmas? I'll just be, be honest with you. I, I racked up at Christmas. I, I got new socks. Then knew what I needed. Getting a Christmas present is great, isn't it? Getting a birthday present is great. Getting an anniversary present is great. Getting a wedding present is great. All these things, you know, where you expect. Getting a Valentine's Day present. Let me just say, guys, you better. <laughs> Valentine's Day presents, great. All those are expected greats, okay? But I don't think there's anything quite like getting that random, spontaneous, unexpected gift. 
There's no reason for it. You just do it. Totally random, out of the blue, unexpected. Be a blesser. Don't even wait for a reason. Create the reason. Be random. Be be spontaneous. But make sure that your blessing is a blessing. Proverbs 27, 14. One of my favorite verses. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. (laughs) You can look it up. It's there. Proverbs 27, 14. There's a guy named, I don't know if this is how you pronounce his word. I'm going to, his name, I'm going to say uh, Jomo. It's J-O-M-O. Jomo Kenyatta. Anybody know who that is? Anybody ever heard that name? He was the founding father of Kenya. Founding father of Kenya. And this is what he said about missionaries. He said, when the missionaries came, we had land and they had the Bible. And they taught us to pray with our eyes closed. And when we opened our eyes, they had the land and we had the Bible. Make sure that your blessing is a blessing. When you give in order to get, you may curse rather than bless. Give expecting nothing in return. Be a blessing. And then the fourth thing is to rest. Rest. Learn to practice the Sabbath rest. You know, if God didn't want us to rest, we would never get tired. Learn to practice the Sabbath rest. Adopt the practice of nothing. You can use your Sabbath. You can choose, you know, maybe a day a week would be great. If you could pick a day a week to be your Sabbath day or maybe a weekend a month. Maybe you could do a week even during your year. Maybe you could take several weeks and call it a sabbatical. But you need to rest. You can use your Sabbath for silence. You can use it for solitude. You can use it to be with your family. You can use it to take a mini retreat, a spiritual retreat, a prayer retreat. The early church fathers believed that the Sabbath should be equal parts prayer and play. They said, when you do a Sabbath, make sure you pray and make sure you play. Because the point of a Sabbath is to be refreshed, to be rejuvenated. I have friends, uh, they're actually in our network, they're pastors of our church sojourn, uh, Ernie and Alex, and they have what they call Do Nothing Fridays. Doesn't that sound great? Do Nothing Fridays. And the whole point of Do Nothing Friday is you unplug and you push work to the back and you just be. Maybe you make a picnic and you just sit in the backyard with your kids, your family, and you watch them run and play and you just talk. Does that sound spiritual to you? I will promise you that will be one of the most spiritual things you can do if you do it regularly. Rest. Do nothing Fridays. 
The point is that you need to rest. You need to be refreshed. You know their old saying, all work and no play makes Johnny a dull boy? It's true. It's true. So four simple things for 2020. If you give yourself to these things, I promise you, at the end of the year, you will look back and you'll say, I'm better than I was. I feel like I'm closer to God. I feel like I'm closer to my family. I feel like I have more friends, better friends, and I feel like I've met so many strangers this year that God has given me an opportunity to bless. And you know what else? I'm not tired. I'm not tired. I'm not beat up. I'm not exhausted because I have read, I have prayed, I have blessed, and I have rested. Now let's pray. Lord, I know that what we talked about today is, is, is counter to the culture that we live in. We live in a culture that's so busy and so fast-paced and so hurry, hurry, hurry. And I pray that you would help us. Give us the grace and give us wisdom. And just show us, Lord, how to eliminate hurry from our lives. To learn, Lord, to read, to spend time in your word. To carve out time from our lives. Carve out time in our schedules to be in your word. To carve out time to be quiet and still with you. To allow you to speak into our lives. To be intentional about blessing our families, our friends, and the strangers that you bring across our path. And Lord, to be consistent in our rest so that we are fresh, revived, and able to do the things that you set before us to do. We recognize, God, that you call us to rest, not so we'll do less, but so we can actually do more. Teach us how to do that. In Jesus' name. Amen.